All right, this is Title Health on Point in three, two. Hi, everybody, and welcome back again to Title Health on Point. I'm Roger Fallabout. Good to have you with us. Today, we're talking about advanced directives and other information that is important to us as healthcare workers so that we know what your wishes are when you're hospitalized. Joining us on the program today is Gigi Pierce. Gigi is a community care coordinator for Title Health. Gigi, great to have you here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for joining us, as we do with all of our first-time guests. Take a couple of minutes to tell our viewers and our listeners something about you. Okay. Well, I came to Salisbury, Salisbury University, Salisbury State back then. Um, I've been a nurse for almost 28 years, and the first 17 years of my nursing career, I was a critical care nurse um, at Title Health, which was Peninsula Regional in the past. Um, and it was such a phenomenal experience. Um take care of critically ill patients and try to get them better. But there was a downside to that. There's many patients who don't get better. Um, I've, I saw a lot of people um, spend the last days of their life in intensive care. And I just thought, you know, back in the 90s, many people did not have advanced directives or even talk about end of life or dying. Um, and I just, you know, filed that away in my head and thought that, you know, m more people probably should do that. Over the years, um, I did spend a year as a palliative care nurse uh, at liaison between Coastal Hospice and Peninsula at that time, and I, I love that job. I got a lot out of doing, um, being a patient and family advocate for end-of-life care and making plans and establishing goals and a lot of the same stuff I do now in my job as um, a care coordinator for primary care. I help people with wellness and prevention and education, but I also, you know, realized that at some point in life, um, there, people just are going to be the way they are and they do have chronic diseases and they do tend to get worse over time as we age. Um, the normal aging process as well is everyone probably needs to do a little bit of planning about end of life, talk to family members, talk to their providers. Um, it's not an easy thing to do. It's um, a really important thing to do. And I'm just one of those people who, with my experience and background and knowledge, um, I have that opportunity to provide that to patients, families, um, help their providers sort of establish goals of care um, nearing the end of life or even when they're well. I think we're trying to do um, in our annual wellness visits with our patients to try to bring it up earlier in, in your health, even as young as, you know, 18, 19, start talking about it, make it, um, more, more a natural thing to be doing for your health, as opposed to just kind of talking about it when you're very ill and very sick. So that's kind of my spiel here. It is a part of healthcare that, that is inevitable for all of us. So it's good that we're here talking about it, and I'm really happy to have you on the program. You mentioned palliative care and also hospice care. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But let's start by talking about an advanced directive and what an advanced directive is. Okay, so an advanced directive is, um, it's also called a living will, a durable medical power of attorney, a medical power of attorney. There's probably a couple other names that I'm not remembering right now, but um, it's all the same thing as far as it's it's um, a legal document signed by witnesses. Sometimes it's notarized in certain states, uh, Maryland, Virginia, and Pennsylvania. Uh, I think you do not have to get them notarized. Um, 
but they're documents that state what your wishes are if you are in a persistent vegetative state, an end-stage condition, terminal condition, um, and some other condition. Basically, you're at the end of life, and, and there's probably no good, reasonable efforts to think that you're going to get get better. Um, would you want to be kept alive on machines, feeding tubes, um, ventilators, um, basically heroic measures, or would you want to allow natural death? So two-part question. Why is that important to me as a patient? And equally, why is that important to my loved ones? It's a very important thing to do. It's just like you plan for birthdays, anniversaries, weddings, births. You really want to plan for your end of life. Um, and you want to take that burden off your loved ones. If you never have that conversation and your loved ones don't know what your wishes are, they don't know how to tell your doctors to take care of you as you would wish. They go into the default mode, which is do everything, keep someone alive on machines. And, and, you know, and that's fine. If that was what your wishes are, we can absolutely do that. We do a great job of it. Um, but some people maybe probably wouldn't have wanted that. So it's, it's always good to have conversations, especially when someone is declining in health, um, things change, wishes change, um, you know, your goals change, goals of care change. Sure. And I can, I can understand and appreciate the burden on families too. Son one, son two, daughter one, daughter two may look at it completely differently when it's, when it's mom or dad and the time comes. So um, important to have that taken care of. And you mentioned there is really nothing wrong with starting this process early in life. You mentioned even around 18 years of age. So it's not necessarily something I have to do just because I'm coming to the hospital for care, right? I can do this anytime. Correct. And, and what I found out through the years of being a nurse was that a lot of people did this planning as they did their wills with a lawyer. Um, so that kind of tells me that, you know, more wealthier people had access to do, to do this planning. Um, but really everyone has access to be able to fill out this, this plan um, for free. You download it over on the internet or you get it from your provider's office or you get it from Title Health. Um, and there's different forms. You can pick one that is illegal from Maryland state or Delaware state or whatever state you're in. And there's also forms that you, either your lawyer would have, or um, there's also one called the five wishes, which is a simpler wording. So it just depends on what document you're comfortable with, what state you're in, what you want to use. The, the main thing is to have conversations and to really make your wishes known whether in writing or verbally, it's, it's all very important. Similar but not exactly the same, what is a MOLST form? So a MOLST form. A MOLST is a medical order for life-sustaining treatments. And um, not everyone has a MOLST form. Um, we have them. There's, there's a default mode if someone comes to the hospital. They're automatically called a a full code. Um, a MOLST form would limit some of the some of the life sustaining treatments, um, and it's a doctor's order. It's not necessarily a legal document, but it's a doctor has to physically write the order. Hopefully, with having conversations with you regarding what your wishes are, and you choose whether or not you want either chest compressions if your heart would stop, um, a breathing tube or ventilator, 
Um, you can choose whether or not to have dialysis, uh, blood transfusions, um, transfer to higher level of care, like transfer to University of Maryland or Johns Hopkins, um, if they wanted to to have some, you know, more experts take a look at them or treat them at a higher level of care than we can here. Um, not everybody wants to leave here. Not everybody wants to leave their community. Um, so, you know, they would, they would decide that on this paper. Um, you also decide if you want feeding tubes. Um, you can put time limits on things. Um, so the MOLS is a very important document, mostly for people who are elderly, frail, have an end-stage condition. Um, they're the people who really need to know what a MOLST is. It's, we used to call it a DNR form or a do not resuscitate form. Um, and there's also other states call it allow natural death form. Like I said, every, every state has a different, different form, different name, but it's all basically the same information. It's, it's, it's what your wishes are. Gigi, you've been around this a long time. You mentioned that at the beginning of the program. The reality is none of us get out of this alive, and it's a very hard discussion sometimes. It's very hard for us to, to, to face the fact that, you know, we were, we're human and, and our life is going to end at some point, but this is a discussion that we all should have. I, I mean, we take control of everything else in our lives right now. Why shouldn't we be in control of our decisions at the end of our life? Yeah, and having control is is very important to most people. And as we age and and get more frail and um and sick, we lose a lot of control in life. Uh, you know, we we lose our driving abilities, we lose our memory, we lose, you know, sometimes we lose our homes. We have to move into assisted livings or nursing homes. Um, having control over how things are going to be at the end of our life is you know, it's, it's really important and it's, it's also helpful. It's less burdensome for the family members if they're like, yep, this is what mom and dad would want. You know, we're, we're going to, we're going to do what they, what they want. We talked about the importance of it, where you can find an advanced directive, a most form through your family provider or through your provider. What happens once I fill that out? Will the hospital know my wishes? Yes. Yeah, so that's another important question. Um, so you fill out these forms. Uh, if you fill them out with a lawyer, they don't necessarily come to, um, unless you bring them into your primary care provider's office or say you're going to have a procedure at the hospital, you bring that in a big, big operation or something, or even a little operation. You bring it in and it gets scanned into our um, EMR, our, our um, our charting system and, and it's there. And because we're a system, all the doctors from Title Health that have access to Epic, our charting system, can see that advanced directive. And it's the same thing with the MOLS. So the advanced directive stays there. You should probably take a look at it every few years, a major birthday, a life, a change in life. If you lose your medical power of attorney, um, your spouse or someone who's on that record, you need to update it. Um, if you have a major change in health, you should probably update it. Um, and same thing, you get you get um, people to witness it, and you, we scan it, rescan it. And the most, it can change every time you go to the hospital or every time you go to the doctors. Um, every time you go to the hospital, your the ER provider will will ask you, you know, would you want us to do everything? And that confuses people sometimes because, of course, you want 
the doctors to do everything to help mom or dad. Um, and sometimes the doctors, if, if a patient had spoken with their primary care provider and they decided not to have CPR or ventilator, and we scanned it in and we sent it to the EPIC system, and they go to the ER without their without their loved ones and they don't have good hearing or good memory and, and they're asked a question like that, and they say, yes, I want everything done. And then the most kind of get, the most gets changed to a full code. And then we kind of have to revisit that again. So that's a little, that's a little tricky because it is a doctor's order. Doctor's orders change um, based on situations and conversations. And, and that's okay. You can change from a do not resuscitate to a full code. If, if, if something changes, you change your mind, your family wants you to go ahead and give it a, give it a good try. Um, we can certainly do that. We talked about palliative care and hospice care at the beginning of the show, too. What is the difference between the two? Great question. Um, so palliative, hospice and palliative care are basically a philosophy of treatment. Um, it's holistic. Um, it's a team approach to a patient's mind, body, spirit, social uh, situations. Um, it takes account the whole family. It's a treatment for the whole family. So it's a great philosophy. You know, you have a cardiologist, a pulmonologist, a nephrologist, an oncologist. You know, they kind of speak to each other, but the palliative care and hospice team speaks, they can kind of gather all that information. Um, and, and really, they're really good at presenting, the palliative care team is good about presenting the whole picture and all the problems and, and the disease trajectory. Um, and they really listen a lot of primary care providers have 15 minutes, a patient, sometimes less. Um, there's not a lot of time in those offices for a lot of long conversations about what goals, wishes, values, um, planning. So the palliative care team in our hospital does a great job establishing goals of care for patients who, who have been in, in and out of the hospital multiple times, who have life-limiting illnesses, and, and maybe they're not aware of of options of care. Um, and there are options other than going to the hospital every time they need to go. They could opt for being home, being comfortable, um, and electing if they're eligible for hospice care under their Medicare benefit. They can elect hospice care, stay home um, if they have a disease that's likely that they won't live past six months. A doctor has to certify that. That doesn't mean you're going to die in six months. It doesn't mean you're going to die in a couple of years. It just means that the way your disease is progressing, the likelihood of you lasting more than six months is probably low, but people get great care. Um, and sometimes they do very well with hospice and palliative care just because I think the pressure's off, you know, they have, they can relax and they do tend to their spiritual, social, um, and physical needs with, with the, the care that they get with the nurse, the aide, the chaplain, the social worker, and the doctor. You know, when you have a team rooting for you, you tend to do better. Again, it's, it's, it's the facing your own mortality. But how, how active should I be in the process of this goals of care that we talk about? I mean, I, I would think that as a patient, I, I have an essential role in that. Yes, and it absolutely depends on where you are in your, in your health um, trajectory. If you're really healthy, you know, my goals of care, I broke my, my wrist this, this, um, this winter skiing and, 
my goal was to get my arm fixed and, and to go through physical therapy. And even though physical therapy was a little painful, you know, I was willing to put up with, with, you know, the little bit of pain that I got, um, to get better, to get back, to get my mobility back to normal. Um, if you're elderly and frail, maybe have some dementia, um, you may not get much better with depending on what kind of care you're going to need. So that'll depend on what care you want to have. Um, you know, I would say that um, my 87-year-old grandmother was, you know, she had some dementia. She had terrible spinal stenosis. Her quality of life was really not very good. And she elected hospice um, care. And, you know, she was comfortable enough um, so her goals were really just to be comfortable and, and to die a nice, natural, peaceful death with family around. And she was able to get that. Get you out of here on this question. If someone watching the show or listening to the show has an interest in learning more, what would you recommend? So our portal is a good, um, resource and John Tyler, our pastoral care manager at title health will meet with patients and families, um, to go over advanced directives, living wills, have these conversations. If you are admitted to the hospital, you have access to the uh, palliative care team to meet with. You just have to ask your doctor if you can have a, a session with them. Um, you can always have a session with Coastal Hospice and um, an educational session to find out, you know, if my loved one is eligible, when they may be eligible, what are my options, what are what are the certain things that you can um offer my loved one and my family. Um, I do a webinar once a month on Tuesdays at one o'clock um, to go over advanced directives, living wills, most try to answer some questions. Um, this is another outreach. We're trying to really get our patients to, to learn about end of life planning, advanced directive planning, goals of care. You know, the more we kind of get it out there, the more our community can, can have a better end of life. And as you mentioned, if you come to the hospital with, without an advanced directive and you want that done, once you get there, speak to someone, right? Just ask. And everybody asks. It's, it's, I think it's by law, you have to ask if you have one and, and provide that uh, opportunity to fill that out. And the pastoral care uh, team uh, will absolutely bring you the form and help you fill it out if you're admitted as well. Gigi, thanks so much for being on the show today. And helping us understand what it takes to be prepared and the importance of being prepared. We appreciate you being here. Thanks so much, Roger. And that is going to do it for this edition of Title Health on Point. As we mentioned at the end of the show, always, if you have an idea about a program that you would like to see us do, please give me a call the old-fashioned way at 410-543-7142, or you can always email me to at roger.fallabout at titlehealth.org. For Gigi Pierce, I am Roger. Thanks so much for being with us today. And we'll see you again on the next edition of Title Health on Point.